Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. You all look good. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Uh, My name is Luke. I'm the campus pastor here at our Lakeland campus. And uh, I just want to start out in prayer. I feel like the Lord was telling me something while we were worshiping. Aren't you grateful for our worship team? Yeah. I mean, golly, it's just amazing. But but specifically, I want to pray and I'll just maybe speak it out while we're praying. Is that all right with y'all? Good. Father, we just thank you so much. We love you. We thank you for this service today. And uh, yeah, we just love you, Father, so much. We're so grateful that you're a good God who loves us unconditionally, not based on circumstances, not based on anything we've done or haven't done. But Father, I thank you, Lord, you love us unconditionally, just the way we are, right where we're at right now. And uh, I just sense that there's maybe some people in the room today that uh, you have had something happen recently and you've lost hope. But I heard the Lord say earlier, I'm restoring that hope. And, I, and you need to know that he says your future is bright, regardless of circumstance, regardless of what you've seen, regardless of what just happened, your future is bright. And that's the way you need to see it. Just the way he sees it, because he only sees your future. He doesn't see your past. And so, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you for restoring hope right now, because hope is all about our future. Father, we love you so much. And we thank you for this service. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that is here today. And we just thank you for him helping me speak your word on your behalf and representing you well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to use my laptop today if that's all right with y'all. I tried my notes, but I have like three pages of notes. And I got all shuffled up last service. I was like confused. (laughs) So I'm just going to make it simple. But uh, now it's Memorial Day weekend. You know, last week I was on vacation. We were at the beach. How many guys like the beach? Yes. See, I know, right? And we're like blessed. We met some people there that were like 10 hours away. We're only like four hours away from the beach. And and I'm just grateful to live close to the beach. And uh, one day I was out in my kayak in the Gulf. And I was probably only about half a mile out, which doesn't, it may seem really far to you, but it was flat and calm and like a swimming pool. It was gorgeous. You could see the turtles, you could see the sharks. You know, I didn't see any big sharks, but there were some small ones. And I'm always out there fishing, but man, this time there's like an Air Force base near, and these big helicopters were flying over. You ever seen those big Chinooks? They got like two rotors on top, and there was two of them side by side, and I could literally feel the percussion. (laughs) They were so close. I mean, I'm out in the middle of the ocean, and these helicopters fly over from nowhere. It gave me chills, you know. It was just like this this power, you know, and this almost intimidation. And uh, but in that moment, I was just like, man, I'm so grateful for every person who has laid down their life for us to be here in this free place, right? To worship Jesus. Can we just give a hand to everybody who's gone before us? I honor them. You know, uh, we're in a series right now called Generosity's Journey. 
And as I've been studying this whole, you know, just this whole journey of my life, even it's taken me back to when uh, I was number one, I I wasn't giving at all. And, you know, I kind of heard about it. I might give every once in a while and and then started to faithfully give and be consistent with it. And then went from like, you know, a smaller percentage to actually 10%. And then actually moving from that into like finding people who we wanted to bless and, and blessing them and moving through this whole journey and this whole process. And, you know, it's funny because, like, you could think that all this is about money, but it's not. If you've been here for the last two or three weeks, you know, you've talked to pastor or heard pastor talk, and it's not just about money. It's about knowing God. It's about a relationship. God, he's trying to get him to you, you know. He's trying to get you to him. He, he wants you to know his, his character, his goodness, his nature. And I believe that the, the love of God, or God is love, and the, and the, the nature of, of love is generosity. I truly believe that. And I've noticed that nothing, you can't separate those two things. The nature of God is love, and the, and the nature of love is generosity. In John 3.16, we all know this verse, it's, it's for God so loved the world that he gave, right? You can't separate those two. And in Romans 5 and 5, it says, such hope in God's promises never disappoint us. It never disappoints us because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which was given to us. Right. So we've got this love. It's already ours. If we believe in Jesus, we've got this love. We've got this generosity that's in us. You know, uh, the other day, uh, like I said, you can't separate the two. And I was at a restaurant with a friend of mine who I love to go to lunch with because he's like one of the most generous people I know. You ever been around somebody that just gives, like outgives you? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that. I like being around that. Not because I'm jealous, but I'm a little, maybe a little bit. But I want to I see that. I want to be around that. You know, if you, there's something that you desire in your life, you need to find somebody who does it better than you and then get around them. Right? And, and that's called humility. <laughs> Humble yourselves and go find out how to do it. God will bless that. So I'm at lunch with this guy, and he's a big giver, and, um, and, and I just am just in awe of, of the way he does it. And so our waiter comes over to the table, and it's a, a young man, and uh, just as kind as he can be, so nice. And as he's talking to us about the specials of the day, I heard the word chef, just the word chef in my heart. And he's waiting at our table. He's not in the kitchen. And the Lord kept talking to me about it. He's like, he's, he, he wants to be a chef, but he's having to work his way up through the ranks. He didn't want to start in the kitchen. He wanted to learn how everything worked in the front of the house. So when he got in the kitchen and he, so like, he's, I'm like, Lord, why are you even telling me all this about this guy? And he said, because I want you to give it to him. I want you to give him something. I'm like, okay, what is it? He's like, I want you to give him my word for his future. Because I'm like, okay, Lord, but what if this is not even anywhere on his radar? You know, the enemy always tries to come in and tell you, well, that's just silly. You know, they're going to think you're crazy, which is okay. But, but I asked him by the end of the meal, I kept listening for the Lord of like, Lord, how are you wanting to get deliver this? Or you want to add to it? And I got nothing other than he just wants to be a chef and a few more little details that I was kind of going over in my head. And so anyway, we got ready. He brought us the check, got ready to pay. And I said, do you want to be a chef? He's like, I do. And then it started to unfold. Then I started to get more. Because, you know, it, it really doesn't happen until you step out of the boat, until you give that first word. You know, it's like, you want to be a chef? And he's like, yeah. And you're like, okay, cool. This is God. And then you're like, you know, it's just, that's the journey, though. You know, it's like trusting God, testing him, right? And so I said, yeah. And I said, you actually want your own restaurant, don't you? He's like, yeah. 
And I said, but you want to do it different? And he's like, yeah, I want to do it completely different than it's ever been done before. And so we just started having this conversation and I'm telling him what, what he's agreeing. You know, he's like saying yes. And so we're having this stuff and reading his mail, so to speak, but in a good way. And he's like, man, how do you know all that? And I said, well, I don't, but God does. And he loves you and he believes in that future. And he's the one that's put that desire in your heart. So we just started talking and he's just like, just sitting there talking to us and just having the best time. My friend's listening the whole time. And, and I said, man, why don't we just pray for you? Because it was super busy in this restaurant. I didn't want to get him in trouble holding him there too long. And I said, is it okay if we pray for you at the table right now? Because I don't want to get you in, in trouble, you know, because sometimes you just want to be respectful of everything going on, right, and them too. And, and he said, no, that's fine. He actually got down and he was like kind of squatted down and he grabbed my buddy's hand and grabbed my hand and he was ready. You know, he was like encountering something that was real right then. He's like, I want whatever you got. And, and I, so I just prayed real simple for him. Like, Lord, just bless his future. I thank you for blessing this desire that he's got and went on and on and on. We got done. He stands up and he's emotional. You can just tell like the presence of God was there. And I had given him through generosity, this word. So we get done and he's like, thank y'all so much. You have no idea what that meant. You have no idea what this whole thing is like. I don't even know what's going on right now, but this was amazing. And so he leaves and I open the book and I start to fill out the, the check, you know, pay the bill. And I saw my buddy get his wallet out. And I'm like, no, 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 I got this. And, and he was like, no, I want to add to it. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I tipped him, you know, a good tip. You should tip your waiters. Amen. Regardless of how they treat you. Amen. Because <laughs> uh, love is unconditional. Correct? Exactly. <laughs> You're going to tip somebody at lunch today. You watch. I feel it. Um, but, but he got his money out, and, and they weren't ones, and it was multiple bills. And he kind of folded them all up and put them in the book. And I wanted to see. I wanted to be like, how much did you give him? You know, I, wanted, like, I was just curious, being nosy, you know. But, <laughs> but he blessed him. And he gave, he was generous. So while we're doing all that, I saw our waiter come around the corner of the, of the little, the counter thing. And he has this big plate of chocolate cake. And I'm like, well, we didn't order chocolate cake. That's not ours, you know? And so we keep talking and sure enough, he walks over to our table and he said, Hey, I want to, I want, I want to give you guys something. And he puts this big old, big old piece of chocolate cake down on the table. And I had just been, I was having lunch with my friend talking to him about losing weight, not eating sugar. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. This is just comical. Anyway, and so I did have a bite. I had a bite. My friend didn't have a bite because I had just been talking to him about how sugar was killing him. I'm just kidding. But like, but he was like, I'm not eating that, you know. And so I wrapped it up and took it home and gave it to Kelly. But so, and she was grateful for it. (laughs) But But I had this moment where, you know, even on the plate, he had taken chocolate syrup and written in cursive, thank you. You know what I mean? Like he really thought it out and and he was telling me, he's like, that's my best, you know, like, like that's my best work, you know? And and he was, he was like loving the whole culinary thing and wanting to be a chef. and, And he was like giving me his best. But what I noticed was that it's, it's like, that is the nature of God. When you encounter God, you encounter love. And when you encounter love, you encounter generosity. You cannot separate the two. And that's what happened to him. And and my buddy's wanting to give and and I gave. And it's like they're all, everybody's having a big, big time giving and loving each other and sharing the word of God. And I know, you know, I, I have seen him since. And now we have a relationship. I go back to this restaurant quite a bit. And every time, it seems like, I don't know if he asks, but we just, I get him a lot. 
then there's a lot of waiters and waitresses in there. And, and now we have this relationship. I was in there just the other day, and he was telling me about a trip he'd been on um, kayaking. And I'm like, whoa, cool, I kayak too. And so now we have this relationship. But do you see how it's all designed to lead back to relationship? Because not only, like in that moment, he got to see the heart of God for him. He got to now build this relationship. Like, I believe he's a believer, but, but he's now building and growing in his relationship with the Lord because of a generous act. Oh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's look at Malachi 3 and 10. And I want to teach off of Malachi 3, 10, uh, 11, and 12 for the next few minutes. Uh, and I had never seen this before. I was so just amazed uh, and how God, you know how you read a verse sometimes, a verse that you've read and you just like maybe skimmed over or you read through it real fast and you just didn't see the, the whole point of it. Uh, and then all of a sudden he, the Lord unfolds it while you're not looking and you're like, oh, how has that been there the whole time? How did I miss that? But um, the first thing I want to look at is in the very beginning of Malachi 3 and 10. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Now, the part I want to start with, point one is it says, and test me now in this. And when I hear the word test, I think of the word promise. And so number one is God gives us a promise. After he gives us a command, he said, hey, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. See, Malachi was a prophet. He was a minor prophet. And he was a man in the Old Testament who spoke on the behalf of God. So in the Old Testament, God had to speak through men, right? He had to speak through prophets because of sin. But see, now Jesus has come and Jesus has redeemed us back to the way it was before sin. So now we get to go to Jesus boldly and confidently and climb up in his lap and hang out and tell him everything that's going on in our life. We don't have to have that. We still have prophets, but for different reasons. And so uh, God gives us a promise. Pastor said this a couple of weeks ago. He said, a test is a truth that moves that truth from your head to your heart. When he said it, I'm like, that's not even like, he didn't even put it on the screen. And I'm like, that needs to be a screen right now. And so we were talking about it last week. And, and I was like, it's so true. A test is a truth that moves that truth from your head to your heart. And I like to say it's an experience. Like, like just when I had that word chef, like I'm about to test God in this. Because I, I know I've heard from God. I believe that. But now I'm about to test it. And I'm fixing to say, hey, do you want to be a chef? You know, like hoping it's God. I'm testing this. But when I find out it is, man, it builds my relationship. I know I've heard from God now. And now he knows that God is real because he, he just knows I don't know this guy at all. You, you see how it works? When you test God, you experience this. You experience the truth. And then it moves it from your head down into your heart. And nobody can ever talk you out of that. And I'm going to tell you something. If there's something you don't need to be talked out of, it's the real presence of God. It's the goodness of God. There was a time when I had a truth move from my head to my heart um, by, by saying yes to an experience. I came in my office when we were over in phase one before all this was here. And uh, it was early a Sunday morning and I came in. I was sharing an office with Brother Dean Miller, who was on our staff for 32 years. And if you know Brother Dean, you love Brother Dean just because he's awesome. And, man, he's spoken in my life so many different times. But when you get to share an office, you get to know somebody. You know what I mean? Like, really know them. And I know if there's one thing about Brother Dean, you don't tell him you're feeling bad or you're sick or you're hurting or you're depressed or you're anxious or anything unless you want him to pray for you right then. I mean, that's just the way Brother Dean was. He wasn't going to hesitate. He's going to pray for you now. So I walked in and I said, man, I was kind of 
kind of hobbling a little bit. And he noticed and he said, what's wrong? And I said, my back's hurting. I said, he said, what'd you do? I said, I have no idea. But I said, man, my left is my left hip was just like killing me. And immediately without hesitation, he said, sit down. There was a chair there in our office and I sat down and he said, give me your feet. And I'm like, what are we doing right now? What is going on? And so I put both of my feet out and put them in his hands. And he said, you see that? Your left leg's shorter than your right leg right now. About an inch shorter. And he said, I'm going to pray. He said, you believe Jesus died on the cross for you? I was like, yeah. And he said, you believe he died to heal you? And I said, yeah. He said, do you believe that he died to have a, uh, one leg shorter than the other or not have one leg shorter than the other? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, then God's going to heal you. He's going to line your spine right now in Jesus' name. So that you can not have to deal with that pain anymore. I'm like, okay, Lord, I know this is your word and I'm going to test you in this. Like, I really want to see this happen. And so I kind of had to step out of the boat in this moment. You know, I've been in church a long time at that point, but still, like I never had, I've actually prayed for people to be healed just like that, but never had anybody pray for me. Cause at that point it was still here, but now it's about to move here. So I sit there and he said, now we're going to pray. He holds my feet in his hands and he's like, you should watch. Don't close your eyes. You should watch because it's going to change. And I'm like, man, the faith in this guy. And I, he said, in Jesus name, I command this leg and that leg to be exactly the same length. Spine, you line up in Jesus. I mean, he just starts going in, right? With just faith and praying for this thing. And I didn't see the leg actually grow out. But when I looked, when I finally looked, they were both exactly lined up. Now, at first, my, my doubt, my flesh. Yeah, we could go ahead and clap. That's a miracle. But, but at first I'm like, did I just move? Like, did I move my leg? You know what I mean? Like, is this for real? But he said, now stand up because this was the truth teller. You know, it's like my leg could have grown out, but if I'm still hurting, but I stood up and I had zero pain. I mean, like just completely left. Amen. And in that moment, what it did was that it moved that truth from just up here to down in my heart. It completely changed. And then I'm like praying for the people to do the same thing. People come down to the altar with like back pain and I'm like, sit down, <laughs> give me your feet, <laughs> you know? And, and, but it, it does something to you. It makes you want to give the same thing because now I've encountered this love. I've encountered this reality of what's going on here. And now I want to give the same thing. When you encounter the promises of God and you see them and they move from not just a, a, a book or not just a, somebody else's story, but they move from your head to your heart because you've encountered and experienced that, all you want to do is to give that promise away. You want to go give it to everybody else. You see hurting. It's so hard for me sometimes to drive down. I live in, in Fondren in Jackson, and so, man, there's a lot of intersections you know, and a lot of people at those intersections, God, it's so hard sometimes to see people walking down the street, not turn around and want to go like take them to Wendy's or do whatever. And I had done that before, but I want to do it for every single person. And I see people all the time and I'm like, God, Lord, you're so good. And that's not your will. It's just not your will for people to live like that. Like, like Lord, I want to help them. And I will help them all one day, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, but that's my heart. And that's because I know his promise. Like that is his promise. I've seen his promise work in my life and it will work in their lives, but I just got to get it to them, you know, and they've got to believe it too. Don't get me wrong. Uh, so that's number one. God gives us a promise. Number two is God gives us a blessing. And in verse 10, it also says, if, see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a great blessing until there is no more room to receive it. See if I will not open up the windows of heaven. What's in heaven? The first thing is that I think about when I think about heaven are eternal provision, provision that never stops. It never ends. 
no decay, no rust, <laughs> no loss, no destruction. Those are the things that I think of first, but no fear, no doubt, no worry, perfect peace, perfect love, all those things. Now, if he said, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you, does that mean we need to wait till we get to heaven to have those blessings? Doesn't seem like it to me. It seems like we can have the blessing of heaven now on the earth through the Holy Spirit that lives in us, right? I've seen it in my life. I'm seeing it all the time, and I want to see it more. But what I have found is that when I obey God, I see the more of the blessings of God. When I do these simple things in, in my life, like, like when he said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that's really simple. It's not complicated. It's, it's tied 10%. I'm like, okay, I can do that. But don't get me wrong. I know we got bills to pay. We got all these different things, but I'm just saying it's simple, not easy, right? It's simple. He just said, obey me and I'll bless you. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. But if you can get past the whole natural side of it, of like, but Lord, I got this and this and this. I had a young lady come up to me a few weeks ago at the altar. And I thought she was coming down for prayer, but she was really just coming down to share a testimony. She was bawling. She was in tears. She was smiling. I'm like, what's going on here? You know, like, are you happy? Is these good tears or bad tears? And she was like, no, they're good tears. And I'm like, well, what's up? And she said, I have decided, like literally, while she was sitting in her seat to go online and to set up giving online consistently like to to not just like give one-time gift but to set it up where it automatically comes out and for her this was a big deal because she was saying because I got bills and she's like I got this but she said I am going to trust God and you could just see like she had radically encountered Jesus in this moment pure faith pure trust it's just a beautiful thing but now I told her I said but now I said I said you need to open your arms out because the blessing that's coming to you is going to be so big that you ain't going to be able to hold it. So do your best, <laughs> you know, but hang on to it. And then it says that it will pour out. And that word pour right there, it means to empty out all or everything. Pastor said this last week. He said, you know, God has given us everything. He didn't withhold anything from us when he gave us Jesus. He gave us everything. And he wants us to have access to everything in heaven right now here on this earth. That means we can have good stuff. We can have nice things and not be ashamed of it, not have to hide it, right? Because God is a big God and he's amazing. That's number two. Number one, God gives us a promise. Number two, God gives us a blessing. Number three, God gives us protection. In verse 11, it says, and then, <laughs> he said, after you've brought the tithe into the storehouse, after I've, you've tested me in that, after I've blessed you, opened up the windows of heaven, he said, and then, I will also rebuke the devourer, the insects or the plague, the pestilence is one other thing. And I always go to my ear when I think of pestilence because I always think of a fly or a gnat or mosquito, just a pest. You know what I mean? Just that, just annoying pestilence. He's going to rebuke that mosquito for me. (laughs) It says, for your sake, he will not destroy the fruits of your ground, nor will the vine in the field drop its grapes before harvest, says the Lord. Now I looked up that word. I'm like, okay, what's, what's the whole dropping the grapes before the the harvest. And he said, basically, um, because a storm would sometimes come, they would be, you know, they'd have a beautiful harvest of grapes and they would be growing them and taking care of them and doing everything they knew to do. And then all of a sudden a storm would come and the wind would blow and it would try to knock all those grapes off the vine before it was time for their harvest. But God said, I will protect you so that when the wind does come, you remember Peter when he got out of the boat? When Peter got out of the boat, he walked on water. 
The next thing that happened is the wind came. He was doing it. Like, you know, Peter was walking on the water. He was doing what God told him to do. Peter said, Lord, if that's you, command me to come and I'll come. And, and it's like, Lord, if you're telling me to give, tell me to give and I will give. I will trust you in this. And he says, come. And Peter steps out. He's walking on the water. He's walking on water. I can't wait to get to heaven. I bet Peter has to tell this story a lot in heaven. You know what I mean? It's like, so what did the water feel like? Was it like hard? Did it feel like there was a board under you? Or was it like mushy? Did it, you know, like, I, I got questions for Peter. Uh, but, but I'm like, he said, no, come. The next thing that happened is the wind came up. He was doing great. It's like, leave me alone. I'm walking on water here with Jesus. This is amazing. The devil hates that. He hates when we come to Jesus. And so what the devil does is try to bring up wind and bring up storms and bring up all the pestilence, these little gnats that just drive you nuts sometimes. It's like, shut up. And God said, I'll take care of that for you. And and then Peter began to sink. And I noticed this just this morning. You know what Peter's first reaction was when he began to sink? Jesus, help. What a great reaction, right? The devil overplayed his hand. I bet it made the devil so mad when Peter was like, Jesus, he still wanted Jesus, you know? And he came to him and he picked him up. Even when the winds came, God's like, I got you. I ain't worried about him. Don't worry about the wind. I got you. Like, remember who you're coming to. Remember who you're praying to. So uh, a while back, years ago, actually, I, I, I heard people telling stories about this is specific, and it's so crazy. If you were here last week, Pastor Joel talked about having a $100 bill in his wallet, right, and blessing somebody. And I was listening to this message yesterday, his message, walking the dogs, and I'm like, no way. They're going to think I totally want to steal his, his story. But, but there was, I heard stories years ago about that. They would, somebody would, they would have a $100 bill in their pocket, and they would just kind of use it like play money, right, but play money for God, you know, so that he could bless people and just use that. And I remember telling the Lord one day, this is years ago, um, and I said, Lord, I, I really, I want some of that. I want to be able to do that. That sounds like fun. Like, should I budget that in our budget? You know, like just $100 a month for just the Lord's play money or whatever? Because I, it's not about the money for me. It's about finding somebody. It's the hunt. It's the journey. I want to go find somebody and bless somebody with this. And I just kind of prayed it off the cuff, and, and I told the Lord, I want that. I want to do that. And so I think like a year went by and I had almost forgotten about it. And I had a lady walk up to me one day in the sanctuary. Well, actually in the foyer out there, over there, I think. I can't remember. It's been years ago. But she hands me a white envelope with nothing written on it and it's sealed. And I'm like, okay, what's this? And all she said was, here, this is yours. And I want you to give it to somebody who needs it. I was like, what is it? You know, I don't even know it's an envelope. And she said, it's just money. I was like, okay, cool. And as I'm walking away, something clicked. And the Lord said, you asked for this. I'm like, really, Lord, but that's not my money. He said, it is now. Like, she gave it to me. This is yours, is what she said. Go find somebody who needs it. Go give it to somebody who needs it. That's exactly what I prayed for, to have money, right? He says that he'll give seed to the sower. That's seed that I ain't even have to do nothing for. I'm just saying. So now I got play money. <laughs> you all know, anybody got play money? You're like having a little budget, a little play money. You see something, at, you know, wherever, and you're like, ooh, I want that. Oh, I got $100. I can go get it. So what was funny is, you know, the first temptation I had was to go out to dinner and spend it on myself. I'm like, I'm just being real. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not perfect. I got flesh, too. 
And the Lord was like, seriously? Come on, don't, you could do that. But he's like, that's not going to bless anybody with your stomach, you know? And he's like, it won't be a blessing because you're going to overeat with that $100 probably. And so I kept it in the envelope. I didn't even know it was $100 at the time. And I can remember opening it up because I wanted to see how much it was. It was a $100 bill. I put it in my wallet. And I can remember, this was probably not the first time, because this is years. This lady has literally been giving me $100 bills for years in envelopes. I don't know how often, but it's got to be up into the, well over into the thousands now of dollars. And so I've always got a $100 bill in my wallet now, typically, sometimes two or three, because I want to wait and make sure it's the right person. So we're at a restaurant a while back, this is, I don't know, three or four years ago in Clinton. And... We're sitting down at the table, whole family's there, having a good time. And I noticed something about our waitress. And I noticed she was young. I noticed she was having a hard time. She's having a rough day. And I noticed that the other waitresses were not treating her very well. And they were being mean to her. And I'm just, I can't even listen to anybody talk at the table. I can't even listen to the conversations going on. I'm like, I am just zoned in. I am focused in on what's happening. And the Lord is like, you need to like, really, you need to like pray for her. You need to stay around. I'm going to give you some word. I'm going to like bless her. I want to, I want you to give some stuff to her. I wasn't thinking about the money at the time. And so once we, we paid our bill and I remember tipping her well and the Lord said, no, not, that's not, that's not enough. You need to give her the play money. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but cause I'm like, you know, I'm thinking in the natural. I'm like, what if they all split their tips? I want it to go to her. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want it to, you know, and so he's like, well, then just wait around afterwards, have a conversation with her, tell her she did a great job, bless her, give her a word, like speak to her and then give it to her. And I'm like, oh, but there's a lot of people and we're trying to get out of here. And so anyway, I'm just like navigating through this. I'm trying to, I like to know the process, right? My process doesn't necessarily have to be your process, but sometimes it's good to know the process at least once. So we kind of cleared out and I saw her sitting over there and I said, Hey, um, you did really good tonight. I said, you really did good. And she's like, no, I really, I did it. I started beating herself up, you know? I'm like, no, 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 look at me. I'm serious. You, you did a great job tonight. You're a great waitress. Like you served us well. And I said, we, we, you know, we took care of you on the tip. I said, I don't know if anybody else in the family did, but we took care of you on the tip. And I said, here, I want you to have this too. And I want you to know the Lord sees you. He loves you. And he's going to take care of you. He's going to protect you. And I said, I saw how you were being treated around here too. And you need to know that God's got you. Like he will protect you. Not just in the natural, but financially as well. I bet that was more money than, than everybody else at that restaurant made that night. You know what I mean? And it's like, because she was not retaliating, she wasn't doing anything bad. She was doing anything negative. But God is a God of generosity. He will protect you in everything that you do. So that's number three. Number four Uh, And I want to go back through them. God gives us a promise. Number one, God gives us a blessing. God gives us protection. And God makes us a blessing is number four. He makes us a blessing. In verse 12, the last verse, it says, and after all this has happened, after you've trusted me and tested me in this and bringing the tithe into the storehouse, obeyed me. After I've opened up the windows of heaven and blessed you so much so that you can't even contain it. This is number four. He makes you a blessing. He gives you so much that you can't have it all. And you have to give it away. <laughs> it just overflows. It spills over. After you've done all that, and I've rebuked the devil and protected you from anything that may try to come while you're trusting me. 
then I'm going to make you a blessing. So much so in verse 12, it says, all nations shall call you happy and call you blessed for you shall be a land of delight. I saw this story in, in, in the book of Luke, verse 23. If you want to turn there, you can. We're going to read it. I'm going to close with this. I've never seen this before. And so bear with me as I walk through it. Because it, I, I feel like this is a, a great act of generosity in the Gospels that I'd never seen. It's been there the whole time, but I've just never seen it. And so I'm going to set it up. In Luke 23, basically Jesus has just been crucified. He's still on the cross, but he's not alive. He hasn't been taken down yet. And there's this man who notices all of this. His name is Joseph. And Joseph comes into the scene and he is a religious leader. He's a Jewish man. He's on the Jewish leader like council. Like think Pharisees, Sadducees, leaders. He's actually in the same group that has just crucified Jesus. And just told them like, you know, they all agreed, let's go kill Jesus. But what it says here in verse 50, it says there was also a member of the Jewish council named Joseph from the village of Rama. I don't know how to say that. (laughs) A good hearted, honorable man. This is interesting. Who was eager for God's kingdom to appear. That means he believed in Jesus. He believed that Jesus was there. He was the savior. And then it says he had strongly disagreed with the decision of the council to crucify Jesus. Now, think about this. If you've got a group of friends and they're all wanting to do the same thing and you're like, y'all are, a bunch of, y'all are crazy. I'm not doing that. I disagree with that. That means you've got to now leave that group, right? He risked it all because those people had the power to kill him too. But he was like, he strongly, it says he strongly disagreed with the decision of the council that he was a part of to kill Jesus. Now, right after that, it says that he did leave that group. He would have had to. It says that he went to Pilate, who was the guy who had, he was the governor, who had to basically agree to the Jewish leaders to have Jesus killed. He goes to Pilate after Jesus is already dead, still hanging on the cross, and asks permission to take the body of Jesus for a proper burial. This is one of the most intimate moments, I believe, in the whole Bible. I love this, though. I want to talk to Joseph when I get to heaven. He says, he, he asked, could I take Jesus for a proper burial? He granted his request. So he took the body from the cross. I know this may seem a little gruesome, but it's real. He went and got Jesus off of the cross. I mean, like, I don't know how you get those nails out, but he did it. He took this, this body that wasn't even alive of Jesus, the savior of our world, our king. <laughs> Who? He took him off the cross. He wrapped him in a winding sheet of linen. I I studied this out, and you could be buried in three types of cloths. Like, you could be wrapped in three different types, but linen was the most expensive. It cost him the most. He actually went and got the cloth and wrapped Jesus in it. And then it says he placed him in a new tomb, chiseled out of the rock. It says a new, unused tomb. Now, if you study this out, in Jewish culture, they would buy a tomb where you would be buried you know, in this tomb, but it wasn't just for you. It wasn't just one person. It was a big tomb that you could walk inside of. And it was actually meant for generations of your family to be buried in along with them. But it was just for your family. So if Luke had a tomb or, you know, it'd be the dispenser tomb. And everybody knew that that's where you were going to be buried. If you were part of this family, you were just part of it. it was an honor thing. But it said that nobody had ever been in this tomb. 
So why did he have a tomb with nobody in it? And the Lord showed me, he said, because it was, it was the first. He was the first of his family to be responsible with money. <laughs> he was the first of his family to actually have the kind of money that it cost to buy a tomb back then. They were super expensive. Like you didn't just go buy a tomb. Like it was a very big deal. I had somebody text me after service. Jay is on our, our production team on staff here. And he texted me and he said, man, do you know how much it costs for a tomb today? Like even in today's time, it's around $100,000 to have one built and installed. It's $100,000. And he said, but that was, that's made out of brick and metal. Back then they took a hammer and a chisel and carved it out of a huge rock. So you can imagine how expensive and how timely this thing was and how much it meant to this guy. Because I believe he was probably the first one in his family because nobody was in that tomb. Like you think his family would have already had that, but clearly they didn't. So maybe he was the first one to be responsible enough to understand what it meant to leave a legacy for your family and be responsible with money. I'd never seen this before. And the Lord was just like showing me this stuff. And I'm like, this is it. Talk about generosity. He sees Jesus, someone who he's never met before, who it would probably cost him everything to follow him. He not only decides to follow him, but he decides to to give him this amazing gift, maybe the most valuable thing in his life. And he's like, Pilate, no, I, I need his body. I want to I give him a proper burial. And Pilate's probably like, where are you going to put him? He's like, I put him in my tomb. You don't worry about it. Because they were all leaders. You know what I mean? Like, you probably could talk to Pilate like that. He's like, no, I got it. You don't worry about it. I'll put him in my brand new tomb that I bought and paid for. There's no need for you to worry about it. And what I saw, what the Lord told me, he said that generosity paves the way for honor, intimacy, and relationship. Generosity paves the way for honor, intimacy, and relationship. Because in that moment when he took Jesus off the cross, you want to talk about intimate. That's pretty intimate. Now, we never hear about this same Joseph again. But I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to meet him again one day because I believe that dude's in heaven. (laughs) You know, I believe he had a relationship with Jesus that was unlike any other. I believe he was able to give something to Jesus that nobody else was able to give him. Because of a financial state that he was in in his life. He saw a need and he was like, done. I'll give it all. You can have it. For Jesus, yes, I'll give it him. He deserves it. He didn't deserve to die like that. I think he had a revelation that Jesus died for him. And because of it, he encountered that love. And it made him give everything he had. And sacrifice it all. Just like we said in the beginning, the nature of God is love and the nature of love is generosity. But, but I believe that he had an encounter with love that led him to an act of great generosity. And today, um, we're going to do communion. We're going to take communion together as a family. Um, but before we do that, I want to make sure everybody here um, who has never encountered that love with Jesus does that. And that you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Um, and know that he absolutely is not only loves you, but is in love with you. He wants to know you intimately, personally. He wants to have a relationship with you. Um, and all he wants is, is you. And once you encounter that, then everything else starts to, to come together. All the giving, the generosity, all those things. You'll learn all that. But it got, it's got to start with you knowing him. And so would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Thank you, Jesus. 
So if there's anybody here today, you don't know Jesus, you've never really encountered this love that's unconditional. You've had love, but it's been very conditional. That's not God. It's different. Nope, God sees all your past. Yeah, well, Jesus sees all your past. He knows what's been done, but he died to forgive you. He died to give you a brand new life, brand new fresh start. But he died so that he could have a relationship with you and to know you and for you to know him. And so I just want to ask you to do one simple thing today. If you're here, you don't know Jesus, but you're like, you know what? I need that. I need that. I want that love in my life. I want to be forgiven for my past. I just want to ask you to do one thing. Just slip your hand up right now. Nobody's looking. Thank you, Jesus. Yep. Just slip your hand up right now. I see them all going up. Thank you, Lord. In the balcony, too. I can see you. (laughs) But it's not about me seeing you. It's about God seeing you. Your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. I love it when the hands go up quick. (laughs) No hesitation. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask everybody here to just repeat this prayer after me, whether you raise your hand or not. Just say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. And three days later, you rose again from the cross. I'm sorry, from the grave. Jesus, I declare that you are my Lord and you are my Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Make me new. Make me whole. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give it up for everybody who made a decision? Thank you, Lord. Now I want to ask everybody to stand to your feet. And when you came in, you probably got a cup, a communion cup. Um, It's got juice and a little wafer on the top. And so we're about to go back into worship. And while we're worshiping at any point during that time, you can take those elements by yourself. Uh, and what this is, is communion is just a time to remember. It says, do this in remembrance of me, of what Jesus did for us on the cross. He did quite a bit. The word saved, like he saved us on the cross, but the word saved means to be saved, healed, delivered, set free, and made whole. It's a package deal. You get it all. But what I have found, I had somebody explain it to me like this from, it was a missionary from Africa. And they said, every time you take communion, you need to ask yourself, is there anything that Jesus died on the cross for that I'm not having in my life right now? Is there any part of what Jesus did and what God sent Jesus to do on the cross that I'm not living out in my life? Am I sick? Jesus died for you to be healed. Am I lacking? Am I in poverty? Jesus died for you to be prosperous. And is there anything in my life? Is there anything that's not whole? Do I not have peace? Am I anxious? Am I depressed? Jesus died so you didn't have to have any of that stuff. And so literally, while we're singing, this is not just a song. It is a beautiful song. And this is not just juice and a wafer. But this represents the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. It's by the blood of Jesus that we are saved, right? And so when you take this, it's it's symbolic of his blood that was spilled and and spilled for us and shed for us. But it's also his body who was beaten for us so that we didn't have to be. So that we could be completely healed and made new. And so when you take this, don't do it as just, just an act. Do it and say, Lord, if there's anything that, that you died on the cross for that I'm not having right now in my life, I want it. And let him even reveal it to you. Because sometimes there's things you don't even know you're supposed to have. But this is why we do it. 
in remembrance of what he did, and he'll show you. The Holy Spirit will show you right now. So I want to pray over our our communion, and then we're going to worship. Father, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus to die for us, to save us, to heal us, to deliver us, to set us free, and to make us whole. And so right now, Father, we honor you, and we do this remembering what you did for us. We love you, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.